when I first started homeschooling you, it was difficult. It was difficult because I don't think I realized, like, I knew you had ADHD and I knew what the strategies were. But you didn't really realize how hard it was. I didn't realize how hard it was. And I, I remember. But it wasn't really, it isn't really hard. It's just different. It's just, that's exactly right. Exactly. It's not, it's not really fair to just. To make a system that works for four-fifths of all the people and then expect the one-fifth to just right. just suck it up. No, you're absolutely Learn in a right. way that you don't learn. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and today's episode is a special kids POV episode with my 12-year-old son, Asher. Because one of the ways Asher is differently wired is having ADHD, and we know a lot of members of the TILT community are dealing with ADHD in some way, we decided to spend this half hour talking about what it's like to have ADHD, what kids wish their teachers and their parents understood about ADHD, and we're also going to talk about the kinds of strategies that Asher is working on to support him with the aspects of ADHD that can be frustrating for him. And we'll get right to that conversation after this quick break. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, 
six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. Hi, Asher. Hello. How are you doing today? Okay, I've got a really bad cold. I'm sorry. You still up for having our conversation? Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) So we discussed that today we were going to talk about ADHD. Yeah, ADHD. Does that sound like a good plan? Yeah, it does. And and the reason I thought that would be good is because I know a lot of the Tilt community members, their kids have ADHD, and it's a big part of our life. And so we're going to just give a little deeper peek inside of what it's like for us and for you specifically. Yeah, of course. So I was curious, do you remember the first time you kind of learned about ADHD and maybe made the connection? No, not actually. It was such a long time ago. It was a long time ago. The way I remember... I was like three. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think we knew at three. Yeah, it was only until I was like five that I started to get hyper-focused on things. Well, I remember you and I laying in bed in our house in Seattle, and I was reading a book out loud. I don't remember which book it was, but one of the characters, not the main character, but a side character, was a big part of the book, and it was mentioned that he had ADHD and you turned to me and you said, what's ADHD? And I explained, well, it stands for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And I kind of explained. I was like, oh, it sounds like I have that. Well, that's kind of what happened. I explained it as best I could. And then he said, do I have that? And you were like, (gasps) (laughs) well, at the time we had recently gotten a provisional diagnosis of ADHD. Do you know what I mean when I say provisional? It means that it only lasts for until you run out of food. (laughs) That's different provision. So it was a diagnosis that they said it's not concrete, but we suspect this and we'll need to check back with Asher in a few years and have more information. So when you asked me, do I have that? I said, yeah, well, actually, we think this is something that's going on. Why? do you recognize some of yourself in this description in the book? And you were like, yep, really sounds like me. Yeah. How would you then, I'm just curious before you even get started, how would you define ADHD or what does ADHD mean to you? Mostly it means I find it hard to stay on one topic, except sometimes, and then I get ridiculously focused on it. Mm Mm-hmm. What others? Yeah, basically it means it's hard to get focused on something, but once you do, you're ridiculously focused. Mm-hmm. The unfortunate thing is that sometimes that happens on the wrong things. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do some serious focus work on my, ooh, a video game. 
five hours later, yay, I win! <laughs> well, what's the other piece besides the focus that is something that is a common trait for people with ADHD? Uh, the hyperactivity part. If, if you couldn't already tell by the slight noises in the background while I'm talking, I'm constantly moving! Yes. I can attest to this. Asher is constantly moving. (laughs) So in our next episode together, we're actually going to focus specifically on labels and diagnoses. We're going to talk about how you feel about those and how you felt about learning about your diagnosis. But without going into too much detail right now, could you kind of tell us in general how you feel about the fact that you have ADHD? Like personally, how does that impact you? Or how do you feel about it? I'm, I'm fine with it. It just makes me feel like some of my faults or things that other people consider faults aren't really mine. It's like I'm not trying to be easily distracted. Mm-hmm. I can't be blamed for being easily distracted. Mm-hmm. It's all genetics fault. Do you have any emotions attached to it? Like, you know, I think what you said is accurate, and it's really good to know that this... Well, attached to that would just be kind of relief. Okay. Right. Feeling a relief that it's not something that you're doing wrong, but it's actually who you are. Exactly. At any point, like, when you found out... It's like being mad at water for being wet. Right. (laughs) At any point, did you feel other any other emotions? Like... I was kind of... I I wasn't really surprised. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think so either. Did you feel like any like sadness or embarrassment or annoyance? Uh, I did or- feel a little bit embarrassed because I this was proof that I was different from everybody else. And when you found that out, that made you feel a little embarrassed. Yeah, but that's not. But then it turned out to be different in a good way. Yay! Yeah, because I don't see you as someone who experiences a lot of embarrassment about who you are. No, no, no. It was all inside. Okay. <laughs> so. What would you consider your biggest challenges that you have that are related to your ADHD? You mentioned a little bit earlier, but can you go into a little more detail? Well, the biggest challenge that happened in regular, boring, not fun school, no offense, (laughs) um, was that it was always like this. I was fidgeting around and like playing with my pen, click, 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 and I was like, no. You need to pay attention to the lesson. Stop fidgeting right now. And I'm like, I am paying attention. Then I stop fidgeting. I was like, pay attention, Asher. And it's like, like, I can't do both at once. Were you able to say that to your teachers? I can't do both at once? No, I wasn't. So you felt it, but it wasn't something you could articulate at the time. No, it was just I I can either be a really good listener or a really good not fidgeter so what does listening look like for you then it usually looked like me usually moving around a little bit jiggling slightly <laughs> you often have something in your hands yeah that you're playing with are you listening intensely when you're playing with yes something? definitely it actually kind of helps me listen it's kind of like i have something to occupy my hands while i'm listening mm-hmm. i don't have to worry about hmm, interesting what other challenges do you feel stem from that you personally are working on that stem from your ADHD? Well, I think there's also, again, focus. As I said, it's really hard for me to focus, and then it's really hard for me to get unfocused once I'm focused. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I, I get focused on the wrong thing. 
Yeah, and that's, that's really hard for me because I sometimes lose huge chunks of time because I left something open on my computer, for example. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about a couple of things. One is I'm curious to know, because, you know, we're homeschooling now. So a lot of the challenges that face kids with ADHD stem from trying to fit into a traditional school environment. So we've kind of eliminated that problem, but we were in that system for a couple of years. And I'm, and I know lots of kids listening are in that system today. What do you wish that teachers knew about ADHD that you think that they just don't get? That we're not doing this on purpose. All right. And it, it isn't really a bad thing. Like, like just imagine a world where everyone had ADHD and someone wasn't, and it's like, start fidgeting. You're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Jeff Rasmussen, who created the ADHD Kids Rock, and we've shared his stuff on the Facebook page, and we're hoping to get him on the podcast. But Ooh, yeah! He created more people for me to interview. He created the ADHD cards, flashcards that were for teachers. And what I loved about those, it was all of these kind of things to help teachers understand that. This isn't a choice that to be patient with us, that we're really trying, that we need to move. Exactly. Like most people need to not be fidgeting. If they're fidgeting, then they can't pay attention. Mm-hmm. But ADHD people are the opposite. They, they need to be fidgeting to pay attention mm-hmm. because they have to consciously not mm-hmm. be hyperactive. And then it takes all of your focus. And then you. Yeah. Do you remember what we did when you were in second grade? What we did to help you? With your movement? No. We had something special on your chair. Oh, at the dinner table. We had one at home at the dinner table, We had too. one of those big um, yoga ball thingies. It wasn't a yoga ball, but it's the same material. It was like Oh, a, yeah, not at the dinner table, though. At school and at home, we had, like, a green cushion that had little bumps on it, and you could sit on it, and it would give you kind of feedback so you could move but not fall off the chair. Yeah, it was kind of like one of those ball bearings, you know? Yeah, so that was helpful. Where they move without really moving. Exactly. So you were able to kind of get the movement, but without if you, without that, you would move the whole chair, right? You would exactly. rock it back and forth, and that would be Yeah, loud, it was, it was a shock absorber. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a fidget absorber. And I think your teacher in second grade also allowed you to move around if you needed to, but I do distinctly remember <laughs> he was concerned that you were you were walking around aimlessly and you were touching things. And so he asked me one day, he's like, how can I prevent Asher from touching and messing with this? And so he had... <laughs> yeah, he I made remember signs that. just for you. <laughs> and I was like, and I like touched the sign. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like this. <sighs> so as your parents, your dad and I are also on our own learning curve. Like just like there's things teachers need to learn. There are things that we're still discovering. And I will say that when I first started homeschooling you, it you was know, difficult. It was difficult because I don't think I realized like, I knew you had ADHD, and I knew what the strategies were. But you didn't really realize how hard it was. I didn't realize how hard it was. And I I remember... But it wasn't really... It isn't really hard. It's just different. It's just... That's exactly right. Exactly. It's not... It's not really fair to just... To make a system that works for four-fifths of all the people, and then expect the one-fifth to just... Right. Just suck it up. No, you're <laughs> absolutely Learn in a right. way that you don't learn. <laughs> but for me... 
never having homeschooled before, and then also growing up in a traditional school environment. I think that when I started teaching you, I thought that now that we're one-on-one, all the problems that were challenging in school were just going to kind of go away because you'd have my focused attention and I could teach you in a way that you learned and all of those kinds of things. But what I wasn't prepared for, even though I I had lived with you for nine years and I knew that you liked to move, but watching you try to do work was really eye-opening to me. I suddenly was like, oh my gosh, like how did this kid ever sit in a classroom? Like I totally understood why it didn't work for teachers and it certainly didn't work for you. Yeah, like sometimes I write I write books and how I write is I run around the living room in circles <laughs> while dictating the book. Yeah, you you move a lot. You also like, a, you know, sometimes to do one math problem could take 20 minutes because... And then sometimes 10 could take two. It's true. But I, you know, there'd be lots of doodling in the margins of the paper and, you know, and then the eraser would be dissected and then the pencil would be, you know, there are all kinds of things (laughs) happening. I I couldn't resist. It was mechanical. (laughs) So those were all adjustments. So I guess what I'm, and, and to say I'm still learning and so is your dad. I'm still understanding and trying to learn about ADHD. What do you wish that we as your parents understood better. Like, I'm sure that you have gotten frustrated with us for not. Well, actually, the main thing that happens that frustrates me is whenever people tell me to do things and I'm already doing that, I take way too much offense at that. Mm. But that doesn't really have anything to do with ADHD. I just take way too much offense at at some really minor things. That's true. And that, that might be a part of your it's wiring like, that you're it's, hypersensitive yeah, it's to like, those hey, things. like, hey, Asher, are you, ru- did you brush your teeth? Yes, I'm brushing my teeth! Ah! Yes. Ah, you don't have to yell at me. I wasn't yelling. Ah, you just yelled again. <laughs> ah. You know, I would say what you're describing used to happen a lot more than it yeah, does it now. Because you expressed that that was annoying to you and dad and I have really made an effort to. And it's worked. And it's been working. But, you know, here's an example, okay? One of the things that I I actually just watched a video a few weeks ago that is on the Block to Brilliant website. We interviewed Margaret Crane, who's an ADHD coach. Her name is now Yafa. She changed her name. And she is a brilliant ADHD coach. We worked with her as a family once. And then I've since been looking at videos she has online. And they're all, they're great videos on different topics. So when I have time, I just poke on to see, okay, what can I learn today? And one of the videos I watched recently was about interrupting and the fact that people with ADHD like to interrupt. And I was like, oh my God, that is the story of our life. Yes. Interrupts yes, exactly. I just, you, sometimes what happens, well, I mean, this also doesn't have that much to do with ADHD, but it does have something to do with interruption. Sometimes I'm about to interrupt and I'm like, no, wait, if I interrupt, they, they'd probably get annoyed at me for disrupting their show. I'll wait till it's over. And it's like, wait, what was I going to say again? Oh, if only I had just interrupted. We'll be right back after this quick break. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. 
I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, this was a problem when you were in school. I remember in first grade, the second half of first grade, when you were at Giddens, that you were in math class specifically with your teacher, you wanted to contribute and you were constant, you were really engaged and you were. Yeah, I, I treat lectures as discussions. Right. <laughs> Which is a problem because everyone's trying to listen. And so their strategy was they gave you a little notebook. Except for if they're really important lectures. They gave you a little notebook <laughs> and they said, when you have something you want to say, write it down. That way you can get the thought out of your head, but then after class, you can come up and share it and then tell me your idea. Yeah, exactly. I think that was a good idea in theory. I don't think it really worked because it just, at the time when you were in first grade, you weren't really mature enough to kind of do that, follow through on that, but it's a good idea. But going back to this video that I watched, I really recognize that your dad and I can often be annoyed, like- Right. If you, if we're talking about something and you're constantly jumping in and just checking ourselves and be like, how are we responding? Are we saying, ah, sure, just wait a minute. Okay. Or, and what I've been trying to do since I am being more cognizant of my own response is be like, can you hold all, hold that thought? I just want to get my thought out, but I really want to hear what you have to say and do it in a respectful yes, way. That's the best strategy. Why? Because it means, I still get to do what I say. It provides a much better incentive to remember because mm-hmm. I know that you'll be listening when I do. Mm-hmm. And it also provides me the opportunity to fully listen to what you're saying and not spend the whole time thinking, wait, what was that I needed to remember? And I like it because it's respectful. And I think, yeah, it is. I think there are lots of things that, again, we're still learning that we're realizing Some of the ways we respond are kind of knee-jerk reactions to things we personally find frustrating, and it's because we're still learning that this is just part of who you are. Yeah. In fact, ideally, there would be there would be different school curriculums for different types of learning. Like Mm -hmm. they'd have a few standard learning types, Mm -hmm. for example. Right. So, so there'd be a teacher who's specially trained to teach ADHD people, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be awesome. There are schools that are for differently wired kids, but they're very few and far between. And because differently wiredness can look so different, it's hard to... Yeah, you know how there are, like, different teachers for, like, math and music. Mm -hmm. There should be different teachers for ADHD and regular and dyslexia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've noticed your teacher... Either that or the teachers should be specifically trained for... Right. Right. Well, that is a team of highly trained teachers. That's a big thing. And that's one of the reasons why Jeff from ADHD Kids Rock made those cards because a lot of teachers aren't trained 
at all in how to, you know, they're maybe given, they sit through like a two hour lecture and then boom, they're supposed to understand how to support kids with learning differences. And yeah. It's like this kids with learning differences find it harder to learn in the same way as everybody else. Class dismissed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Now um, go apply all your new knowledge. Is there anything else? So I just mentioned the interrupting thing. I'm also thinking about the fact that you, you know, there's a lot of sit down when you're eating, stop rocking your chair. Like there's a lot of that still that's happening in our household. And are there things that you wish we understood better about who you are and would, and would kind of be more understanding? Can you think of anything that's related to your no, ADHD? Not really. I think you're doing a great job. Oh, well, thank you. And dad, too, of course. We still have some work to do. Because I do, uh, I even notice it with you, you know, with the chair. Like, if it's a dangerous situation, okay, let's not rock back so far that you're going to crack your head open. But if you need to rock your chair a bit, is that really the end of the world? Yes, it's the end of the world for the chair. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Oh my goodness, we're recording this right now, and if you can hear, like, uh... It just started torrentially <laughs> downpouring. Yeah, if you can hear, like, a soft uh, patter in the out, it's because it's dumping rain outside our window right now. Ah, uh, the beautiful Amsterdam weather. Sheets of rain. Okay, let's keep going, though. I wanted to talk about medication. Medication is one of those issues for people with ADHD and families dealing with ADHD that can be really controversial, and I have, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, you are not on any medication. And yeah. and all I've said was that you know it's an option for you, but your choice right now is that you'd like to, to try other strategies. Exactly. Can you say a little bit more? I'm just curious yeah. so people can hear from you. Like, not to be rude to anyone who is on medication, but my point of view on it can be summed up by the old saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Can you say more if you about that? If you develop strategies to either stop things that are annoying other people or get other people to be more accepting of those things, then there will be no need to use something that only temporarily stops them. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying is it's a more temporary solution. Like if you were stranded on a desert island with one other person and you hadn't practiced strategies, you'd drive them insane. <laughs> I do want to point out for listeners, too, that you are someone who has always objected to medication or ingesting anything of any kind that you, that you weren't 100% on board with. So, I mean, even to the point where you won't take any medicine if you're sick, when you had your appendix out, you refused to even take an ibuprofen to help with the pain. Like you were, you're just super strict with yourself. And I'm not sure where that comes from. I but. don't know. I think it's partially because I feel kind of close to nature, right? Mm. You know, just in general. So how does that impact you now? That's why I like eating radishes. How does that impact? I don't know. I just, it just makes me feel like I'm, for some reason, it makes me feel like I'm more survivally if I, I don't know. If you're not relying on, on kind exactly. of... It makes me feel more independent. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I think Even that's important. Even if it's a thing and not a person. I think that's important to that point I'm out. On. And we have talked about medication. And I know a lot of kids take medication because it's really the only way they can get through a school day. Yeah. And there are schools that you have attended where medication probably would have become mandatory at some point for you to stay in that program. And so... 
Because we're homeschooling, we have a lot more flexibility. And I acknowledge that. Yeah. However, we do talk about it. And when especially when you get really frustrated with yourself, we talk about what are other things we could do then. So if we're not going to explore medication right now, which I totally support your decision in. But we also then need to be more proactive about trying other things to support you. So what are some of the things that we have been doing that you think are making a difference? We run every morning. It's really nice and it gives me a running high. (laughs) It's really fun. We did start running every morning. I mean, we do it. We really started it how long ago now? Maybe six months ago. We were doing the Miracle Morning already, but the Miracle Morning, you were doing some funky jumping jacks that kind of barely passed as exercise. (laughs) But we started the running in, I think, Mm, It's just really nice because it's exercise and it makes you feel happy and it helps kind of calm and focus your mind. Yeah, so we do that every morning, first thing. Sometimes after breakfast, but before sometimes we it's do it. torrentially downpouring. Yeah, we do it rain or shine, and it. Uh, so you have you felt a difference with your yes, definitely focus and energy. I wouldn't say I've noticed a huge difference, but I enjoy running with you. But if you're Me feeling too. like it's centering you more, I mean, we certainly have I been do. having a good. I, yeah, it just feels like I'm more calm, more focused, mm-hmm. gen- generally happier. Yeah, I would agree with that. The other thing that I, that you kind of personally made a decision to do is really cut back on your sugar. And that partly is due to some documentaries we watched about the effects of sugar on the body. But also we know that nutrition can be a big piece of ADHD as well, especially more sugary foods. And again, I like to feel independent. There is a weird thing, but the less you eat sugar, the less you like sugar. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that too. Like, it's actually become less of a treat for me. It's so interesting. There's actually a pack of peeps in the kitchen right now that's been there for... Wait, seriously? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I've gotten you to reveal our candy. Yeah, Aunt Alice sent it back with me when I was there in June, and it's still in the cupboard. And uh, Yeah, first I started, I just started savoring my candy, and I started eating it more slowly, and and then less and less, and then eventually I was like... Gee, sugar is really bad for you. I'm going to cut out a big portion of it. And, and now I have sugar on very special occasions. Yep. And vacations and stuff. Yeah, because we have to have gelato on vacation. That Every single day. Goes without saying. Let's talk about kind of the big thing that we're doing to address your getting frustrated with yourself. Like when we had a call with our ADHD coach, <laughs> one of the things, the biggest issue was that you were perpetually getting frustrated with yourself. I'm too hard on myself. What we noticed and why you wanted to meet with the coach is because you were getting increasingly frustrated with yourself because you have a lot of personal projects that you're working on and you were not accomplishing what you set out to accomplish. You know, even you'd make a plan that day and then the day would end and you didn't achieve what you set out to do because you got distracted. And then you were getting really, really angry with yourself and having some really upset moments and sadness and beating yourself up, really. Yeah, like sometimes I was really sad because I had, I felt like I was really the worst kind of focuser, right? Do you remember what Yafa said when we talked to her about that specific thing, how you could support yourself? Yeah, the creative process is really messy. You can't just say, okay, I am going to think of this today. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't think of it. Arg, I'm a terrible creativer. Yeah, and we actually <laughs> just... like, I'm going to think of this today. I'm going to be creative about this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that... I mean, that goes against the very idea of creativity. And we know that people with ADHD tend to be very creative people because you have lots of ideas, right? Oh, hey. So one of the things we did, and I will share this on the show notes, and I bet listeners, a lot of listeners have seen this, but there's a great image and it's the creative process and it's the start and the end, you know, at either side of a paper. But instead of a straight line connecting the two, there is a big jumble of lines. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. And that is true for any creative person. It's not a linear process. And so part of it is, and what we're focusing on is you getting to know your own way of working. And maybe you are someone who can do focus work and then you need to go off on a tangent for three days before you come back to it. And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes what happens, it's kind of a pattern is for a few days, I would spend like two hours just being really distracted, not doing any work. Then I'd realize that I had spent lots of time. I only had a bit left. Then I would chug out two hours worth of stuff in that half hour. And in the end, I would have done all the work I set out to do. Mm-hmm. Just I'd done the actual work in a very small amount of time. Right. And then goofed off for the rest. Right. And so what we're trying to work on is you being gentle with yourself and not judging yourself for, or as I like to say, not shooting on yourself for what you... What? <gasps> Should. S-H-O-U-L-D. Oh, God. Because I was like, why would I want to offensively poop on myself? Oh, my word. <laughs> I mean, that's just gross. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that is the biggest lesson for you right now is just learning to be patient with yourself. And yeah, I can't should all over myself. And learn to <laughs> recognize myself. how you operate in the world. Yeah. Because once you know that, you can start advocating for what you need, both with other people, but also setting yourself up for success by recognizing. And that is the other strategy we're doing pretty heavily right now. Do you want to tell people how we're using a modified productivity planner? One of the things we're using is a productivity planner. You know what? We actually did talk about the productivity planner in a previous episode. It's kind of like our screen time planner, only better. But what we're doing... And not just for screen time. Right. And you're being really conscious about filling it out and you're writing down your priority for the day. And I have a timer that plays the most annoying music in the universe. You're asking me to set back up timers. And then I'm also then when a timer goes off, I'm just saying, hey, just checking in. Are you doing what you planned to be doing right now? And then you stop and reflect. So there's a lot of support happening You're not doing it on your own, but do you feel like you've been moving your personal goals forward? Yeah, I do. Definitely. So we're going to have to keep working on that. I'm sure it's something we'll keep adapting. We covered a lot of ground with regards to ADHD today. Before we say goodbye, is there anything that you would like to share either to the parents who are listening, whose kids have ADHD, or to kids who are listening who have ADHD, or maybe kids who are listening who don't have ADHD, but have friends with ADHD. I think my main thing is that we're just not doing it on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the most important things that I remember learning back when we were discovering kind of who you are is a quote. I don't remember who shared it with me, but the quote is he would do better if he could. And when I learned that it just totally resonated with me and 
I tried to spread the word among all of your teachers, some of who didn't quite buy it. But I believe that deeply for any child, not just kids who are differently wired, that we all do the best we can when we're younger. And everyone's approaching the world and life and in their learning and everything in their own unique way. Yeah. Well, Asher, I would like to thank you once You're again. You're welcome! For this really honest conversation and sharing your story with us and with the Tilt listeners. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, including links to the resources Asher and I talked about in the show, visit tiltparenting.com slash session 33. If you like what you heard and haven't already done so, please consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes or leaving a review. Both things help our podcast get more visibility. And lastly, if you're not already signed up for our newsletter, we invite you to join our online community at tiltparenting.com. I send out periodic updates with links to new podcast episodes, articles, and resources just for you, as well as information on events like the upcoming holiday survival webinar. So if you want to be in the loop, sign up there. Thanks again for listening. For more information on Tilt Parenting, visit www.tiltparenting.com. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.